Wagwan, everybody. Welcome to the This Afemi History Podcast, where we'll be speaking about history and as well family history and how history relates in terms of Caribbean people um, for the present as well as in the past and how in the past, what that does and brings forth for what we are going through at present and what we can learn from our history, from our family, and take that moving forward. So I do hope you enjoy the podcast. And if you like it, please ensure to subscribe, like, and review. Thank thank you you so much, Professor Pachola, for coming on to the podcast, This Afemi History, and to be able to speak on to your um, article on the ontology of hair. Uh, that we're going to be speaking on, and I'm really looking forward to it because it is an identity so uh, crisis. And um, if you could just be able to, before we start, just give a brief introduction for the listeners. Oh, Joseph Fashola, yes, a Nigerian, and I had my studies in uh, philosophy. I had my first degree in philosophy, my second degree, and then PhD in philosophy. I'm currently a lecturer in uh, Redeemers University, Ede, Nigeria. And I teach philosophy in the Department of Religious Studies and Philosophy. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for that, Professor. Now, would you be able to just describe or what was your motivation to explore this relationship between hair and identity in the context of African literature? Yeah, thank you very much for having me once again. See, the paper, The Ontology of Hair and Identity Crisis in African Literature, was uh, written by myself, Joseph Fashola, and uh, Hannah Abiodun. So, the motivation to further explore the relationship between hair and identity in the context of African literature was born out of the understanding that hair is very, very important to people different cultures and from different uh, races or different backgrounds around the world. So uh, hair can serve as uh, a link, not the link, but a link between people and their race. It can serve as a link also between individuals and their religion, even their culture, their mental state, their state of health, and their social status. So we have all this, it's very, very easy to, to find these links there. So the relationship between hair and race was uh, stated beautifully, beautifully crafted by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. You must have read uh, some things about, about her. Her book titled Americana is very, very instructive here when it comes to hair and identity. In that book, she says something very important which drew my attention to further explore in African literature. She said, in American society, hair represents the racial roots in the society. And then I tried to see what uh, the uh, main uh, character in that book had to say. That is, Ifemelu is the name of the character, the main character in the book. Ifemelu said something very, very interesting too. She said that hair is the perfect metaphor for race in America. And then Abiche, the author of the book, Americana, went on to illustrate how hair, uh, a very a feature in the human body, can pass a message, you know, of who a person is. She made a distinction of uh, uh, two individuals. 
he said, an American and then an African. He said the African woman's hair is kinky. That's a description of it. Mm -hmm. And that the American woman's hair is sleepy. Then she went on to say something very instructive, that the Africans usually want to appear like the Americans. And for that reason, they go on to relax their hair. Now, when they go through this process of relaxing their hair, something happens to them. They lose their identity, according to her. Why? Because after relaxing their hair, they no longer look like the African woman that they are supposed to look like. And they actually do not look like the American woman. Now they are caught in between. They are lost. And so if you read further in that book too, you see the character Ifemeli said something very important too. Because she, too, when she went on to cut her hair, something happened to her. Just to tell us how hair can have something to say about the identity of the individual. When she cut her hair and went to work, someone met her, a lady, and asked her, why did you cut your hair? Are you a lesbian? Now, you see, the, uh, the, the reason for that individual to ask the question, are you a lesbian, is just to show that there is a change in identity, no matter how much it takes. So we see that hair is very, very important. And uh, the motivation to further explore the relationship between hair and identity in the context of African literature was born out of the understanding that you know, hair is very important to people of different cultures and different places around the world. That's the reason. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And just for you know, definition, can you define ontology as it re relates to African culture? Yes. Um, in philosophy, ontology is a branch of metaphysics. Yes, and it is, in fact, the study of being the study of being, any being at all. And in African philosophy, African culture, see, ontology is also the study of being. But this time around, it goes on to make reference to the relationship that exists among beings. And that this relationship that exists among beings is such that the one affects the other. One being affects another being. So. When being exists, they exist in an intersubjective manner. And the way they affect each other is either benevolently or malevolently. So when it comes to the ontology of hair, you see, the paper makes reference to uh, metaphysical interpretations of significance of hair, metaphysical significance of hair in relation to the culture of the African. This is because culture is a physical manifestation of a person's ontology, of a person's beingness. So this is the very reason why hair uh, is related to culture. And Perfect. To and then how would you, how is hair deeply rooted in African identity? Like, would you be able to provide some examples of African societies? That hair is uh, deeply rooted in uh, African identity is a given. It's a given because we, we can, you can tell easily through the hair whether an individual is an African or a European. It's very easy to tell. Once you see the individual, you don't need to ask. You just know through the hair that, oh, this is an African. Oh, this is a European. 
that is why Wale uh, Shoinka, uh, a Nobel laureate in uh, literature from Nigeria, said something very, very important too. In his response to negritude, uh, this is uh, Sangorian negritude. You know, Leopold Sida Senghor uh, talked about negritude, where he admonished Africans to celebrate blackness. Talk about blackness, celebrate it. If you don't do it, people, others won't do it. But Shoinka said something that is uh, kind of different from what Senghor said. He said, Africans don't need to announce who they are. They don't need any introduction. When you see them, you know them. Because for him, he said, a tiger does not shout its tigritude. When you see a tiger, you know it's a tiger. You don't go to a tiger and start asking, are you a tiger? You don't do that. So when you see an African, you don't go and start asking, are you an African? You just know it's an African. By the hair alone, you can tell that it's an African. In the same way, if you come to Nigeria, especially uh, the Benin Kingdom, when you see a Benin chief, just by the hair, you know it's a Benin chief because of the way they shave the hair from the back and then they, they reserve an arc in front. When you see a Benin chief, you don't start asking, are you a Benin chief? By the hair, you know it's a Benin chief. When you see a Yoruba woman from Nigeria, you know she's a Yoruba woman by the way she carries her hair. When you see an Hausa woman, the same way, you know that it's an African woman. That is why we see that hair is deeply rooted in African identity. Hair is very, very important for that. Thank you. No, thank you. So basically, just for how someone's hair is presented, how it's uh, styled, you will know in terms of from which society that they're from. Once again, please. No, you'll just know from how it's styled, from which yes. society that they are from. Yes, from the way the hair is styled, you can tell easily that, oh, this is Yoruba style, this Hausa style, this Igbo style. And for a Benin woman, you can tell too, oh, well, this is a princess or she's a queen, you can tell. The hair can give that idea. Now, since, you know, as we were discussing, you know, a person's hair is tied to their identity and it, and it can as well indicate their status in society. This is a significant meaning, like this has a significant meaning for when, let's say someone has a shaved head. Would you be able to speak to, to this as to how um, this is connected to their status in society? Yes, yeah, I think I've just mentioned that in passing somewhere. That, that uh, in uh, some cultures in Nigeria, the Benin is very, very significant here. You know, the culture of the people of the Benin people uh, of those states, you know, is such that the chiefs will have done their hair in certain ways, so that it is very, very distinctive. Now, whether the hair is funny or not funny, whether you like it or you don't like it, it's not what matters here. But that's, that hairstyle gives the chief his identity. And it makes him different from any other person in the society. So that's because you can change your outfit. But you will always carry your hair anywhere you go. So when you see a Bini chief, you just know, oh, this is a Bini chief. And that the status in the society is different from any other person in the society and should be accorded some respect as an African. The hair too 
has something to say, especially for uh, a widow in Africa and in Nigeria specifically. You know, when a woman is widowed, the next thing she does is to shave off her hair. Yes, to tell the world or the people around her that she's in her state of mourning her, her late husband. And that in fact, she is not willing to socialize at that time or to get involved with any other individual romantically or whatsoever, whatsoever manner in the society. So when anyone sees her, you know, oh, this woman is in a state of money and she's not ready to socialize. It is the same thing too, when a king dies. When a king dies in Africa, in Benin especially, especially that's the Benin kingdom, all the, male, the males in that uh, kingdom are expected to shave off their hair. Yes, they shave off their hair in honor of the departed king. And whoever comes into that community at that time, if you understand the culture and you just see all the males shaving off their hair, it sends a message across to you. That, oh, something has happened in this kingdom. Ask what's going on. Instantly, you can even ask, oh, did you lose your king? And you know that it is in fact the case because all the men have to shave off their hair. So the hair has a message to pass across. So we can see how that, uh, uh, that it plays out in the status of individuals in the society, just like I mentioned the beginning chief. So, I mean, it just shows uh, just a level of respect depending on in terms of which society that they're in. Now, you touched on, I guess, again, to the point of, you know, hair in females would tell a story and not just an expression for the sake of expression. Would you be able to elaborate on this particular point? Yes. Uh, you see, when you take a look at the hair of uh, a woman in Nigeria, it tells a story, really. And usually the story is about the background of the woman, the culture to which she belongs. Sometimes you see a woman in Nigeria uh, when they are presenting their culture to the people, displaying a kind of hairstyle that is in the shape of a basket. When you see that, she's telling a story just by making her hair in the form of a basket. She's, in most, she's most likely to be traced to the ben, to Benue states, the people of Benue state of Nigeria, who are referred to as the food basket of Nigeria. That state is referred to as the food basket of Nigeria. So when they come up with that kind of hairstyle, they are telling you something that we are the food basket of Nigeria. In other cases, you see some women carrying their hair, uh, you know, different strands of hair, beginning from the base, from the top, and then hanging at the middle forming a bunch. Now, they are telling us a story, the story of unity. Different strands coming together to form a whole bunch, a whole unity. That's us Nigerians. Even though we, are, we differ in tongues, in tribes, but that's in brotherhood we stand. And that's the people come together as a united force. So the hair has a whole lot of story to tell. Thank you. And then you know, when you see someone with their hair in dreads or in locks, what is that connection to spirituality or spiritual powers 
Would you able to speak to that? Yes. Uh, you see, in, in African worldview, uh, nothing happens uh, for no reason. It is believed that everything that happens has a reason. Now, even though things are obscure in nature, and that we may not be able to explain sufficiently uh, how uh, things happen at that metaphysical realm. But we always see the effects of things. We may not be able to explain the cause, but we see the effects. And the effects are pointing us to the cause or the causes of those things. So that uh, the hair has something to do with spirituality is what certain denominations, Christian denominations in Nigeria believe, uh, like uh, those who belong to the white dimension churches, like the Cherubim and Seraphim uh, Church in Nigeria, and even the Celestial Church of Christ. It is believed that when a child is born with dress, that child has prophetic powers. Now, whether that is the case or not is for them to substantiate, but it remains the fact that it gives us an identity, it gives them an identity. When we see them, we know who they are. When we see them carrying their dreads around, we know that, oh, these individuals belong to such and such denominations. But to that denomination, they believe that such a child born with dreads, when properly nurtured, can begin to display some spiritual significance, which will be of help to the people uh, in that denomination. Thank you. And then, you know, would you be able to speak to some particular instances or narratives that exemplify moments of identity crisis in literature? Yes. Uh, you see, in, uh, we see some works. There are a lot of works that are cited in the process of writing that paper. Like the American Americana itself, written by Adichie. It's a very uh, instructive uh, book that points us to instances of identity crisis in literature. Also look at gender and hair politics an African philosophical analysis by Omotosho. And then there is hair in African arts and culture by Serbia. There is the power of hair and politics of hair in African context by Shunisani, as well as black hairstyle politics by Mensa. These books have been able to point us to instances of identity crisis where one individual uh, begins to exhibit uh, certain other traits at some other times due to her. Let me even point, let me point you to uh, Americana. Ifemelu, for instance, the main character in that book. You see, at a point, there was a question about her identity because she relaxed her hair. When she relaxed her hair, it became difficult to know whether she was still an African or an American. And when she went on to cut her hair, it became a problem. And someone had to ask, are you a lesbian? So this brings about a kind of a crisis, an identity crisis of who the individual really is, just with the hair. Thank you. No, thank you. And you know, in your opinion, you know, what would you say are some of the potential avenues for further research or exploration in this intersectionality of hair and identity in literature? Yeah, you see, the implication of uh, the one, some of those implications we could have would be that of misrepresentation 
misrepresentation of textiles uh, in Africa. Now, for instance, there could be that of impersonation. An individual could impersonate a Dimitri by just coming up with the hairstyle of a Dimitri. And then you see him, you accord him the respect that you should accord a chief. But that individual is actually not a chief. It could be someone impersonating the queen or the princess. And then you accord that individual the respect that you should give to a queen or a princess. Now, that will lead to a lot of problems. So for further research, it will be important for us to look at these kind of misrepresentations because it will lead to serious problems in the society. And even right now, the hair is already causing some problems. Yes, it's like with security outfits. Most of the security agencies now uh, give certain individuals some identity with the kind of hairstyle they carry. Youths, you know, who uh, are known to be involved in uh, cyber crimes, carry certain hairstyle. Dreads, for instance. Mm -hmm. Initially, we said I said that uh, uh, dreadlocks have spiritual significance. But this time around, the youths who carry short dreads are known to belong to certain syndicates that are involved in cyber crimes. And the security agents know this. But there are some individuals who just want to carry that hairstyle as a matter of passion. Youths as well, you know, they want to explore different things. And when these security agents see them, they get them arrested and they start questioning them, thinking that they are, in fact, uh, individuals who are engaging in cyber crimes. So there is a need for us to make that proper distinction so that there will not be this uh, misinterpretation or misrepresentation of uh, hairstyle and then the identity of uh, individuals in the society. So I will want to uh, take a look at uh, further research in those areas to see how we can curb some social ills in the society. No, thank you so much. That was that was uh, that was great. And just to be able to, I guess, to show the connection that hair isn't just for necessarily for style, but it does mean something um, to different societies as well. So um, I just wanted to say thank you so much, Professor Kashola, to be able to come on and to speak to this and to, to speak to what you've uh, written to do. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please make sure to like, follow, subscribe, and write a review for the episode wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you.